0: You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm back,
0: Frank. I am back. Well, I'm I'm tapped out of Bucks thoughts. So, <laughs> um, I'm drained. I have I don't even know what the, I I've said everything. I've said everything I can say until there's another game. So
1: I forced you to do two solo pods in a row and I feel terrible about it.
0: Well, I mean, I had to do research. I had to structure my thoughts <laughs> in advance. It's really a, a tough, tough life for, uh, uh, you know, a, um, recreational podcaster. But I mean, those are um, all things
1: that are antithetical to what we do on this podcast. Exactly. Right? So exactly. That, that's this is brutal.
0: normally, this is normally, I mean, you don't really appreciate it until you have to do it by yourself that you actually <laughs> need to think about what you're going to say, because, You've got nobody else to sort of, you know, BS with. And, and like, how do you go from topic to topic of, and like exactly, how to make
1: exactly. any of this work? Yeah. I, right. I totally you're agree. Just,
0: you're not just reacting to somebody. So it's, uh, yeah, so, so, so difficult. But, um, but no, it was actually, it was kind of interesting. It forced me to, you know, think a little bit about what I wanted to say in advance. And, um, I don't know. Well, well, I mean, it was, a uh, obviously it was a big weekend for the Bucks because they played mm-hmm. two games and they were both, um, interesting games you know obviously a win and a loss uh, much like the weekend before and there was coming off obviously a a big road trip so there were you know uh, there was a lot to say about uh, a couple days worth of discussion points probably from that celtics game uh, last wednesday so uh, i mean we, we talked on thursday but um i don't know what were your thoughts i know you watched these games over the weekend D- did anything really stand out did did anything i i claimed uh, on either of those podcasts on Friday or Monday, um, really jump out at you as, as being flagrantly wrong or any, any kind of big points that, that maybe I, I forgot to cover cause I'm, I'm sure I missed some.
1: I mean, when I think of Frank, man, I think of flagrantly wrong bucks opinions. That's always my, my first thought. Um, no, I, I think obviously the first and most interesting thing was the Thon maker game on Friday. That was yeah. just kind of mind blowing to watch. Um, And kind of, it was one of those nights where you're just excited about the future of this team and getting to watch them grow and develop together. And um, you're you're kind of dreaming about what it could actually be like if you know Thon could do that every day Um, and and every game. Obviously, he's not there yet, but um, just, just kind of watching him make big play after big play and Giannis showing. Unhealthy amount of trust in him. Um, it, it, it's just kind of amazing, and and I know you mentioned it uh, on one of the two pods. I can't remember which one I was listening to when you mentioned it, but um, I, oh, I guess it depends on Sundays on Sundays. You mentioned that yeah, Giannis kind of was very glowing of him in post game, and that was something I wanted to make sure I got to with him after the game was asking like why why do you, why do you have this trust in him? Because he's barely played. He's, he's not played all that much with you. When, when he does play with you, there, there are mistakes. And, like, I made sure to kind of ask that exact question. Like, you don't – I mean, he hasn't played much, and you show all of this trust in him. Why is that? And to me, I, I thought the biggest play there was that fast break where – for yep, some yep. reason, he throws it in there, and I don't know if we've seen Giannis try to thread the needle on a pass to, the, uh, to anyone. anyone. That's I'm trying to like rack my archives of Giannis passes on fast breaks, and that's just a pass he doesn't make. It, it and granted, yeah. like, like he he's not normally. Trying to thread the needle, like thread the needle to a guy like Jabari, like you just going to put it up in the air and Jabari will take care of it there, or Jabari will be further out on the wing, like he's not going to be running down the middle of the floor. Monroe is not going to be the type of guy that you would throw that to, but it was striking to me that he even thought of throwing that pass because, uh, really, to me, for all extensive of purposes, that that was a bad pass. <laughs> like <laughs> just knowing what you know of Thon, the struggles he's had catching balls in the lane, catching the ball in traffic, doing any of those things, that's not a thing he's done well this season at at any point. And you're going to wait until the game's on the line to try to throw it through three people two Thon in traffic, on the run, with contact, and expect him to catch it and finish it? Like, the... (laughs) <laughs> the The expected value of that play, knowing all those things, has to be, oh my god, astronomically low. And, and yet he he did throw it in there. And obviously, Giannis takes any opportunity he can get to kind of discuss you know, to discuss Than and talk about how he sees himself in Thon and Than. Um, and obviously, I tweeted out all those quotes about kind of all those glowing things he said. But it, it's just totally fascinating to me, Frank, because Than ha- has shown very little on an NBA floor that would warrant that type of trust and that type of belief in him. And again, I'm not in practices. I don't get to see that stuff. So maybe all the flashes people want to see of Thon, Giannis is seeing of Thon in practices. But on an NBA floor, there's never been a time where I've thought, okay, that's a good pass of Thon. And then on top of that, I don't know how many times at the end of the shot clock he's giving the ball to Thon. And and there was, let's see, he caught the one time on the left wing with under 10 on the clock and had to take Drummond off the dribble. Uh, There there was all those times where he kept getting the ball at the three-point line. And again and again and again, Giannis kept giving him the ball. And in my mind, I couldn't help but think, why? what are you doing right now? You're one of the best players in the league. You, you do not need to be giving Thon Maker the b- basketball right now. And to Thon's credit, he came through. And I guess he kind of rewarded Giannis for thinking that way. But it was just so striking to me throughout that game how much trust he showed in Thon.
0: Yeah, I think the the thing about Giannis is that he, I think at times maybe, um, I don't know. I mean, like it's maybe not shocking that he would stick um, – stick Thon with the ball late in the clock because I feel like he's had certainly more than his fair share of moments where he's done that to, to kind of a lot of guys. Oh, um, he does it to
1: everyone where a lot. He,
0: yeah, and, you know, just sort of maybe not, I don't know if it's just not having clock awareness or not wanting to have to shoot difficult shots because he's obviously not a great shooter. I don't know. Um, but it is, obviously, it does feel like there's something a little bit different with Thon because um, the way he speaks about him and, um, you know, it he, he's talked a number of times about how thon gives him energy and uh and you know really kind of brings out the best in him so um and it's kind of funny because i the only thing i would i would say is i would say it wasn't a bad pass it was a great pass it was just a bad idea you know, Like oh yeah like the, the execution it, it was, of the
1: pass. there was nothing wrong with it but yeah. why on earth but,
0: but i think yeah and i think the um and I allude. I, I think. I think maybe last week at one point, I, I maybe it was after the Bulls game when Butler, Jimmy Butler, had all those those assists. And I think I may have referred to to Giannis as being a bit of a one note passer. And at, when I said that, I meant that. And I think I've made this comment on Twitter that he sort of only makes like his assists only kind of fall into like kind of two different categories, and that's like drive and kicks, which you know are kind of the most natural thing for. a a guy who's who's handling the ball and and drawing double teams to do right is to find guys spotting up around the perimeter for open jumpers and it's obviously a super valuable skill so it's not to like Mm -hmm. diminish that that skill and then the other one is and maybe we don't see it that much because he doesn't really get that many opportunities in in pick and roll but um but he's he's very good when it makes sense with with his length um kind of those like wraparound type passes in pick and rolls he's able to make kind of much better than than obviously your average player um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Giannis throwing a pass, you know, I mean, kids talked about, oh, well, you know, I, I had to, like, stand on a chair to understand what Giannis sees, you know, at his height and all that stuff. But when Giannis is, like, passing from the top of the key or something like that, he's never making, like, incredible passes, threading the needle to, like, backdoor cutters. No, he's, just, or, he's just a normal you know, dude something like that. Like
1: in, in those situations. Yeah, he's
0: just, he's just, right, he's throwing it to, like, guys coming off curls and stuff like that, you know, he, and, and in transition – I think back. I think there was like one incredible bounce pass he had to Jabari in the Laker game last year when he had the triple double. Um, but oh, for the most part, yeah, that and, was and a th- dime. And he had oh, that. Oh my god! Yeah. And he had that. He also had that like one handed like cross court. I think I don't know if who it was. Who it was to I forget. But he had like a kind of a one handed like missile. Um, like that must have covered like it thirty was, or forty I think it was feet. Juice for that corner uh, three? Are we talking? I think it was yeah, Juice. yeah, but. This year, I was gonna say. I, at first, I was like, "Was it Jet?" And I was like, "No, Jet wasn't on the team." Um, but I think it was it was OJ Mayo, um, and so he kind of had like had some flashes there with his passing. And obviously, you know, for his size, he's a tremendous passer. But um, but he's not a big risk taker with his passes, which maybe is is okay. Um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily complaining too much about it. And the other thing too is, I mean, in transition, mostly, I mean, Giannis knows that <laughs> that he shouldn't really be trying to pass too much,
1: no, in transition, no. right? <laughs>
0: he's way too good with the ball in his hands and and I think it's it's a good thing that he's a bit selfish in transition cuz guys just can't stop him. Um I mean the, the we saw the, the the example um I guess it was against the Mavericks. I think it was against the Mavericks not the Pist- yeah I think it was the Mavericks right where he had the ball and and uh it was a 2 on 1 with Monroe and he just like somehow just completely bungled the pass to Monroe and just like you know, he could have just basically like can't off to him. And it was just you know a really bad bad turnover by by Giannis, but um, but yeah it's it, it is interesting the the Giannis Thon the the Thonis uh, connection is is been strong and I think that's been kind of one of the fun things about the season is seeing you know Giannis obviously has this infectious personality and I mean his game obviously is on a different level from I mean it's 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 different from anybody else we've seen in the NBA certainly in my lifetime as a fan but then to sort of see him have that positivity and that attitude and um you know this is sort of kind of how he leads I think is is by showing belief in guys and wanting to get them the ball and um you know it's it's a it's a great thing to see it's a fun thing to see and obviously you can only kind of you know get excited thinking about what that might mean for for the future of Giannis and Thon seeing them the relationship they have because you know clearly Giannis has has seen some he's seen some of himself in Thon in terms of you know coming in at at a uh, you know, in a, in a very green place in your life, you know, again, um, you know, age jokes aside for Thon, I mean, regardless, he's coming off a, a, a stint in, in high school last year. And Giannis obviously can relate to that a little bit in just in terms of the leap that he's had to face and both guys obviously being very long and skinny and having to kind of make the physical adjustment as well. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to see. And obviously to see them sort of translate that personal, enjoyment they seem to have for one another into you know tremendous basketball plays I mean um I don't know I I I was I was jealous watching especially the 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 Friday night game on television I mean it seemed like the atmosphere was was great and and not that you know that's the first great atmosphere of the season but um I don't know how would you kind of compare that to um you know other games that you've seen I mean obviously you've been to pretty much every game this year um, where did Friday stack up in terms of those last, you know, five minutes of regulation? And
1: all oh, it's it was definitely up there. Um, and and like you said, I, there's just something about Giannis and Thon making the plays. Like like that, I feel like takes it to uh, another level. Even I don't know if that gives a, a couple more decibels to fans, but it, it does seem like that. That when you see those two guys make the plays that they made down the stretch of that game, that it's that much more exciting. So, um, yeah, I, I would put it up there with probably – it wasn't It wasn't Warriors 24-1. and 1. Um, It wasn't
0: – I mean, where did – I mean, I don't know. The Cleveland game oh, it wasn't was that they won. With, it was a blowout, right? So it was a little bit different type of yeah. game. It seemed – I mean, but you do get – see, the thing about Friday was – I mean, think about it. The two things that can get you the most excited about the Bucks, obviously a close game where Giannis is playing great. That's always super exciting. But Thon in his garbage time sort of three-point shooting phases early in the season, I mean, those were like crazy electric moments. And so to combine, you know, Thon shooting threes and making in huge actual, plays yeah. actually in – yeah, in actual crunch time, I mean, that's sort of like the – the pinnacle fantasy for for a 2016 17 bucks fan i feel like in definitely and,
1: and like i said before the the cool part about it with thon was that he was making plays that he hasn't really made and that's what i've been talking about these last couple weeks that okay the three-point shooting at the start of the season that was cool like and if that's a real skill for for thon and i think we both think that it is a real skill that's great and that's really going to help him kind of set himself apart, but. On Friday, it was uh, i'm trying to there was that little play where he ducked into the short corner, got a pass I believe from Chris Middleton, and then threw it down with two hands on and there was no dribble, there was no extra time it was he he smoothly moved to the short corner, got himself about eight to ten feet away from the basket, and then gathered while catching, and then finished with two hands and that isn't a, a play that Don has, has been making and whether that is getting himself in the right place, getting his feet set the right way, uh, being able to catch, maybe getting the pass that he wanted, whatever it may be there's always been something that that's held that back and he made that play and then there was the play where he's trying to take Drummond off the dribble with the shot clock coming down and then there there's all the threes and it it was just all the these different things that you haven't necessarily seen thon do and then he's doing and i mean that tap out to middleton is just a huge 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 play And, and again maybe not one that You've seen Thon make. He hasn't been showing a ton on the glass, and for him to tip that one out, and then there was a play before it where he ends up keeping the ball alive. And I think uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope throws it off his own leg, or somehow it bounces off, and the Bucks keep possession there. Like there was just plays in crunch time that he kept making, and it's stuff that he hasn't done before, and and that's the stuff that gets me the most excited. Obviously, the threes are cool, but when he's doing all those other things that. NBA players do, that. that is where I, I think I truly get excited about watching him play and kind of get excited about his potential.
0: Yeah, the thing about Thawne that, that I, I feel like I've, I, I've taken for granted a little bit, or at least we don't talk about that much, um, but the thing that is, is so incredible, I mean, there, there's probably two things that are, well, let, let's say maybe two, two and a half things that are really incredible one is that he's shooting threes and looking comfortable and looking natural and he shoots an easy ball and you know, it doesn't look like he's just sort of getting lucky necessarily. Mm-hmm. It looks like he actually a has real skill. the ability to do that. It looks, it's a real skill. And we saw, you know, obviously him, him starting to do that in Vegas. Um, you know, he was a good high uh, free throw shooter, also high school. He could shoot threes. Yeah. And maybe not at a high clip, but, but you know, it, it's always been sort of in his bag of tricks. And it was a question, obviously of whether it would stretch out to three point range at the NBA level. But, So far, so good. Um, maybe the other half is is defensively. I mean, he's obviously um not uh you know blocking shots at a super high level. Um, you know, he's not reading defenses at you know ten year veteran level. But for a rookie, he's clearly very advanced. I think in his understanding of of kind of you don't think so. I thought he I thought especially over the last week, he's like been bad. I I thought Sunday sure is he gonna brutal yeah but he's guarding freaking Dirk dude like what do you expect from him Dirk playing center like you think how many NBA centers are gonna be able to cover Dirk on the three-point line especially in the Bucks scheme where they're like supposing you know used to like helping and crashing and you know I
1: I don't think I should really expect him to but just some of the reads and the extent to which he was being abused uh, was where I was thinking the uh, part of it Uh, like uh i just remember that sunday uh to let you in on a little bit of my life i was watching it with a couple of my friends who are all basketball coaches and all of them were just sitting there like oh don just gave up an open three and then five seconds later ball movement ball movement open three uh and you can you can just kind of see and again like you said like it's getting better but i thought sunday he was it was close to not being able to play him when Dirk was on the floor,
0: just because... I mean, as opposed to, like, you're going to play Greg Monroe against against Dirk Nowitzki, like, what center are you going to play on the Bucs roster against Dirk Nowitzki? You're not. I mean, you can't play center. That's basically the conclusion, right?
1: Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get what you're trying to do here. I'm just saying it was bad. Like, I'm not saying it should have been better or someone else was a better option. I'm just saying it was bad.
0: Okay, so, I mean, if the standard for a rookie is, like, he has to be able to guard Dirk Nowitzki. Then, like I think we have screwed up standards for rookies. That's my my point. He's fine for where he is. I think he's in actually really good shape. But I agree, he has moments where he's like not there, right? Like I mean, I think a few weeks ago he like pulled a Jabari, where you know he looked like he was expecting an ice on a pick and roll, and he was just like the wrong side, and you know the middle is totally wide open. So I mean, there are those moments, but I mean in yeah, general, no, like, he's fine. Like I don't gonna, know, he's gonna, he's yeah. gonna figure it out. He's gonna figure yeah. it out. I think um and then I think the other thing is that like he's playing center like we did not think he was going to be able to even like I mean I, I figured coming into the season like he didn't even play center in summer league you know and they don't even have like real centers in most yeah. of summer league um so the idea that he's like going to come in and you know Andre Drummond's going to score seven points on six shots with Funmaker playing major minutes and you know we saw him kind of not back down from Dwight yeah. Howard and I don't know how he's not getting like broken in half. Like DeAndre didn't break him in half either. Like I mean, he's obviously not playing huge minutes, but uh, it's like crazy that this whole like Thon as center thing. Like I figured we'd have to wait at least a year before we could actually sort of validate that that could be a thing. But it seems like a thing. I don't know. I mean, I'm worried about his defensive rebounding. He had one defensive rebound in 45 minutes over the weekend, but but I don't know. I mean, he's not going to get smaller, right? <laughs> like this, it, he has to be. He has to be a center to be like a really good NBA player. Like it's never going to happen if he's like a backup power forward behind Giannis. So this is like so important that he's like not getting just completely played off the court at center. Right. I mean, th- that's, it's huge. Totally agree.
1: And it is Matt. I guess, I don't know. It's it just strange uh, to see him kind of holding up that well, like you said. But I mean, when I, I I've talked to him about that a couple times and he says, well, early in games I'll, I'll get maybe a little bit confused, maybe a little bit caught off guard on like where I'm supposed to be or like how I'm supposed to use it but uh, but the coaches always tell me I, I need to use my speed I need to use my quickness and I, I think as you watch a game go forward he figures out the best ways to do it that day if that makes sense like he knows that's what he has to do but that might mean different things against different people and that might mean different things against different offensive schemes. Like when I should actually sprint around to the front and should I go left or right? Like, can I use a, a swim move? Can uh, I use a, a little duck here? Like uh, how, how do I, how do I leverage my skills? And and I think that's probably one of the more impressive things that it, he's always kind of able to figure that out. Uh, maybe a little bit better in his, his second stint, uh, in games and kind of as games go forward, he, he just kind of figures that out. And um yeah, it, it's very impressive. And with, yeah, with him at center it, that it, he has to be a center for him to be truly special. He has to be a center. So the fact that he's doing it as much as he has has been great, but yeah, someone tweeted me, I think maybe on Saturday morning, um, tweeted me something to the extent of, is he a, is he a two or three rebound a night guy, right? Or at least right now, is he that? And I was like, for sure right now he is. Like that, that's as much as he can do uh, on the defensive glass. Like the, he, he's just not a great rebounder at this point. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if he can get better. I think that's certainly uh, one of the most major concerns, like you like mentioned, that he does have to get better uh, in that regard. But again, <laughs> he's crazy young he's able to handle and do this and play center and I think we all had questions about that so
0: one thing I would add on the, on the rebounding thing is I mean he's, his defensive rebound rate has been has been poor right especially for a center I think it's been like I don't know 13 or 14 percent or something like that I mean Giannis is over 20 I think um which is you know solid good for a power forward and ideally you know you want your center being over 20 percent at least um but the thing that's interesting is, I mean, they they've actually defensive their f- defensive rebound rate overall has been better with him on the court versus on the bench, um, and and occasionally you see this with guys. I mean, Robin Lopez is kind of like the the guy that I always think of in this is he never really gathers many defensive rebounds himself, but he seems to box out and his team gets defensive rebounds, um, which obviously is you know. The, the kind of main the main thing out of all this so um so I don't know we'll see I mean I I mean it, it, there's at this point he hasn't played that many minutes there could be a lot of noise in it um and obviously you hope that he gets stronger and um and it becomes you know less of a less of an issue I think yeah I'm looking at the four factors so the Bucks have a 77 percent defensive rebound rate um with fun on the court they're 75.3 percent with him on the bench so or sorry 75.3 percent overall so better with fun i don't know whether that's real or, or just coincidence not sure but um you know hopefully fingers crossed that that, that also comes along with, with some of the physical maturity stuff um did you I, I i wanted to ask you we didn't you know obviously we didn't have much we didn't have time to uh unpack the terrence jones for gary payton the second move um do you want to talk about that briefly before we maybe tie out any other thoughts on the weekend
1: um i mean the most obvious thing. It made sense to me. Um, Terrence Jones wasn't playing, and that I don't think necessarily speaks at all to Terrence Jones. He was just given no chance. I, I would have to look how many combined minutes he played. Um, six. Six? That that was it? I was, I was trying to figure out yeah. if he got to double digits or not. Okay, so he played six minutes. Um, I think it would be crazy to say that he didn't deserve more than six minutes um there was a number of times where you saw Spencer Hawes out there and he wasn't performing well and Monroe has been up and down as of late and uh, obviously when you have a freak show like Giannis that can do a whole lot of things that there's plenty of times where you could have just used him as a small ball for you <laughs> Mirza had some games where he struggled you could put him in for Mirza there was plenty of opportunities to play him and Jason Kidd just decided not to ever do it so um, as a GM if that's the case and Malcolm Brogdon is having some back issues well go get a point guard that can actually play and then maybe you can rest Malcolm Brogdon a little bit so um, I was not at all shocked um, when I stepped out of the the church that the wedding I was at had, had been and I stepped outside and saw it on my phone it didn't shock me at all um, but yeah I like I don't I don't know if I have really any other thoughts on it then it makes sense to me not from a basketball perspective but from how uh, Terrence Jones was being utilized perspective
0: yeah and I, I don't know I mean this is kind of the thing I think I've talked about how I like Terrence Jones Terrence Jones going all the way back to the draft um in 2012 I guess it was when he was picked uh and you know the Bucks could have taken him over over John Henson and um, I liked him then, and he had some nice, a couple solid years in Houston, and then kind of never really progressed. And I mean, he was fine in in New Orleans this year. It was interesting that that he left. Um, although, obviously, the the, I guess the arrival rival Boogie Cousins, they just felt like there just wasn't going to be much playing time in the you know in the four or five spots. But I, and the same token, like I just I never really he was never really a guy I looked at as a real obvious sort of target for the Bucks, just because obviously with both Giannis and Jabari, there's just not a lot of room at the forward spots, yeah. and I, I just. I just think like guys like him it's sort of interesting like you think about modern game he's really not a shooter even though he will attempt some threes um, He's obviously has, has some good physical tools for for a four and kind of a post defender um, but I, I don't know like I, I feel like he's like a few years ago I remember playing out of college I was like, oh is he he's probably a four but maybe he's even a three and now it's like clearly he's a four. And part of me wonders if maybe, like, long-term, I mean, I don't know, is he maybe even more of a small ball five? Like, he has pretty good length. I just don't know, you know, like, what does what he kind of bring that's sort of unique? And I'm, I'm not really sure, especially on a team where, you know, Giannis mostly plays power forward from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, you've also got Toledovich and now Beasley coming back as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's sort of things like, is Terrence Jones, can he play? Yeah, he can play. Is there really, like, room to slot him into a box roster? Not really, and... As you said, I mean, the Bucks, you know, point guard is, is sort of the obvious position of non-differentiation, let's say, for the Bucks, Or, I mean, you could throw a shooting guard in there as well. And, um, you know, Gary Payton's kind of a, you know, weird, interesting player who hasn't had a shot in the NBA yet in this coming first year out of uh, Oregon State. So, yeah, I mean, I'm fine giving him a shot. I don't, I don't know if he's really going to, you know, amount to much. But, um, again, it's sort of a low-risk move, and especially with Brogdon uh, – out on uh, both games this weekend, and also out on Tuesday uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Certainly, having a little bit more backcourt depth is is a welcome thing.
1: It's funny with Terrence Jones because signing talented players always excites me. If that makes sense, like I, it's a good thing to see the Bucks go after a guy that I think has talent. Um, but in that kind of role where he's going to be somewhere between the 8th and 10th guy like long term was it ever really going to be something that made any sense for the Bucks probably not Uh, Giannis and Jabari are there to block him. you still have Mirza there you need minutes for Thon at some point and uh, like to me it it just never probably made uh, a ton of sense uh, how he would actually slot into anything in the future but seeing talented dudes get a chance in Milwaukee is is always something, I think, as a fan, you should want to see and be excited about. So um, that was exciting, but ultimately didn't end up really with anything. Um, I, I guess it'll be interesting with Glove Jr. if he's going to uh, – I've also heard Mitten thrown out for him. I, I kind of Mitten. enjoy that as well. Um, but with Glove Jr., I, I believe the scouting report was that he's supposed to be good defensively, um, and, and I think that was one of the bigger things in his scouting report coming out of college. I know that was a, a major thing that the Bucks had talked about when he was in for a workout. Uh, shoot, what I don't even know what month that would be in sometime before the draft, but he was in one of the days. And uh, one of the things, I think, Billy McKinney and uh, I don't think, I I can't remember if we got to talk to Jason, but I know Billy McKinney mentioned that defensively that he's, he's a bigger dude and he's got that athleticism and you'd hope that he could be kind of physical with guys. And um, Sunday wasn't great (laughs) for, uh, for GP2's uh, defense. But uh, again, I don't know what you could really expect out of anyone, um that early into getting signed like he was he was still learning scheme related stuff the morning of the game um so i I don't know if it's necessarily something to be be concerned about but if he is actually that uh i think that's something the point guard position for the bucks kind of could use Uh, a guy that might maybe can deal with uh quicker guys and be a little bit more athletic so we'll see if it works out the bucks did it? I think a nice job is signing him to a two-year deal. Because um, even if he's just the fifteenth guy on your roster, well, at least he's cheap and he's athletic, and maybe he can give your guys a, a different look in practice and help out in that way as well. So, um, I, I thought overall, I thought the the signing was a good one.
0: Yeah, I was fine with it. I mean, he was a guy who had really interesting kind of NBA projections, just because he, you know, had had a very weird uh sort of statistical profile in college. I mean he wasn't a great shooter. Um, and that's that's obviously the, the reason why he was even you know why he was even on the street, right? Working, playing in the D League. Um, if he's a consistent shooter then I think he'd already be on an NBA team. But he's physically has a lot of tools. Um you know college picked up tons of steals, I mean he'll block a game as a point guard. Um I mean his rebounding numbers are are insane. Like you watch highlight films of him and it's crazy how many, like, offensive rebounds and putbacks he gets, which, you know, is kind of a weird thing for a point guard to even be trying. Um, I mean, I guess short of uh, Russell Westbrook, who the Bucks are going to see on Tuesday, uh, you don't really see many uh, point guards that of crashing the offensive glass. And I'm not sure if we'll see that much in Milwaukee either, given, um, you know, most the team, the Bucks do tend to emphasize getting back on D and um, you know, maybe sacrificing offensive rebounding a little bit, but, um, but yeah, weird player. Um, we saw him dunk from a half court set. Uh, he does that pretty regularly for a six, three guy and we'll see. I mean, he knocked down his, uh, his open three that he started, uh, his first shot as a buck, uh, which was good to see. And, you know, we'll kind of see if, if, if he can kind of do that with any regularity. And, um, obviously the other question is, you know, is he even going to play with any regularity? Um, next game might be an important one, just in the sense that you know, again, you hope that Brogdon comes back as soon as possible, and he's apparently going to be out for this first game against the Thunder, which is pretty bad news because um, you know, let's be honest, if Matthew Delvedova starts, I don't even think Dellavedova is going to have. I don't think they're even going to try to put him on Westbrook. I imagine it'll be Snell on Westbrook. That's what they did um, in Milwaukee when when these teams played. So um, so anyway, yeah, a good a good test for the oven mid or glove junior. Um, you know, kitten mittens or whatever you want to call them.
1: <laughs> Are point cards making too much noise?
0: <laughs> kitten mittens, I like that. I like kitten mittens. I did, I just thought of that. For some reason, I was trying to think of other, like, synonyms for gloves. And then when you said mitten, then kitten mittens came to oh, mind. Oh, so. no, kid.
1: Um, K-I-D-D. Oh, mittens.
0: Kitten, kitten mittens. Okay, there we go.
1: There we go, so I guess looking is so today i was I was producing over at e s p n and our our host in the afternoon, Homer had asked me how important Malcolm Brogdon is to this team, and I said, well, obviously very important, and um we kind of talked about what that means for the team and maybe why he's out some more with this back injury and I'd mentioned well the the idea is probably well if it's if it's still lingering. They're pretty secure in a playoff spot now. Like the I would assume they're thinking, let's try to get him healthy and see if we can get him right and then get him back. And he said, Well, that seems like something you would do for a guy that's that's very important to your team. Is he the third most important player on this team? And I instinctively said yes, and then thought about it some more, and I think my instincts were right. Like I, I think he is the third most important player on the team, and I'm trying to think who else I might put there. And it, I guess what are your thoughts on it? I, I think Monroe's probably uh, probably the other one, but I think I'd probably say Brogdon's more important to this team than Monroe.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm just ignoring Jabari just because of the injury right now, so we can spare ourselves that whole discussion. Yes. But, um, but yeah, I think it's between uh, between the the the, the Braggro twins. Um. And it's an interesting weekend because you know the Bucks uh, have been played without Brogdon a number of times lately, and they've they've won some games and they lost some games without him. Um, so I mean, they haven't been lo- been completely lost at sea without him. Um, but obviously, you can only help but wonder. You know, would would the result uh, this weekend have been different on Sunday if if Brogdon had played? And you know, unfortunately, we we won't know. Um, but uh, you know, you look at the Bucks record. Uh, over the last five games I mean I think I was looking at Matt Moore uh, our friend at CBS Sports did a sort of kind of and I retweeted it if you want to check it out at um, on my Twitter feed um, did a like a preview sort of like you know every playoff contenders magic numbers and their remaining schedule and all that and the Bucks have the worst opponent winning percentage uh, I think it's like the remaining opponents have a 58% winning percentage which is by far the, the best of of uh of actually i think i think um i think a couple of teams have have also have good ones basically the bulls have like the like the biggest cream puff schedule and the other some of the other teams have uh, um i think the heat have the other difficult schedule among the teams that are kind of vying for you know these sort of five through, through eight spots um but the bucks also only have one game at home in the last five so there's a wide range of potential outcomes at play here uh, and obviously you take Brogdon out of the mix, I think those the, the number of out you know, the, the variability of those outcomes becomes even higher because not only has Brogdon been so steady on both ends of the court this year, but you know, up until Sunday or Saturday, they only had one other guy who even played the position basically in sort of a you know, a true two way sense. You know, obviously the Bucs can do some interesting things with Giannis and, and Chris handling the ball and initiating and doing some some of those other things, but but they're not gonna defend point guards and um you know, certainly I think Delhi you know whatever Delhi is Delhi you know you I think he's fine as a backup you're less excited about him as a starter and certainly uh, you feel way better about this Bucks team when when Brogdon is starting and and also when Brogdon is finishing right I mean I think that's been obviously a, a big theme of the last few weeks is is Malcolm Brogdon being the guy at the end of games who's able to you know make some plays either for himself or for you know setting up Greg Monroe and um, you know I think I think Brogdon just projects. It just makes more sense that Brogdon would be solid two ways. Monroe, it's been weird because statistically he looks like he's been solid two ways and he's been terrific in plus minus terms. Brogdon has as well. Um, But I mean, does anybody, do any of us really trust Greg Monroe to actually be a good defender when you really need him? I mean, we saw on (laughs) on Friday and and Sunday that 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 assumption can, uh, can fall apart pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, I I don't think so. But Oh man, yeah, it's tough. And I think it probably is Brogdon too, just because as a playmaker working off of Chris and Giannis, he makes more sense that okay, at the end of a game, um, in the crunch time, in in any situation where you feel like you really need a basket, sure, Greg will help out in that situation offensively, but do you really want to give ten of the seconds of that possession to Greg to to operate on the block, to try to work at the elbow? Like, do you actually wanna give him that time? Cause I don't necessarily know that I do. I'd probably prefer that Jonason Malcolm could run a, a pick and roll. They could do something w- with Chris and a curl cut that they you could involve it some way with the dribble um, and keep the ball movement, player movement, all of that going. And, and I don't know if that same thing happens when you involve Greg in those situations. So offensively, I think it's, it makes more sense. Defensively, obviously, um, you can trust Malcolm quite a bit. So yeah, but, well, like I said, once I really thought about it, I did feel pretty confident saying that he's probably the Bucks' third most important player. And, man, did not see that coming. <laughs> I, at the start of this season, uh, if you'd have told me Malcolm Brogdon was the Bucks' third most important player, what would their record be? 20, 25 wins? Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't even know what situation I'd have to get into for that to be the case. It, it's just crazy to think the massive role that he's, he's taken on in just one
0: season. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, he, uh, I feel like if you had told me that, that he'd be the third best player, then I don't know. There'd be some designated survivor jokes that you could make here. Cause you would have assumed that like three or four or five or six bucks ahead of him would have been like lost to horrible injuries yeah. or something like that. And um, obviously only, uh, only Jabari, you know, from, from this team right now is, is hurt who, who really matters, right? I mean, John Henson's been out a little bit, but, you know, you assume he'll be back sometime soon. And, uh, and, and obviously, you know, um, Beasley's been kind of in and out, but, but the team is hopefully getting healthier. And, and, uh, ironically, that starts with Brogdon now and, and him being out. So, so yeah, I mean, it's sort of a good news, bad news. The good news is, whoa, Malcolm Brogdon is your, is your third best player. That's cool. Good for you, Malcolm Brogdon. Great, great second round pick. Bad news is Malcolm Brogdon's <laughs> your third best player or third most important player. That's, that's, that's kind of weird. I'm not sure how I feel about the ceiling yeah. of a team where, where Brogdon is the third best player. Um, and, and that's not meant to be a shot at, at Malcolm. Cause I mean, he's been really good and I, I think he can obviously continue to get better, but, um, but yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily smack of, you know, Durant, uh, Curry, green Thompson, let's just say, <laughs> uh, in terms of building that sort of like superstar talent, uh, uh, lineup. So, so anyway, yeah, good, good debate. I think, you know, Maybe a few weeks ago I would have said Monroe easily was that guy. Um, maybe I'm just, you know, especially down on Greg just because he looked so not ready for modern basketball this weekend. But um, you know, hopefully that's just a a blip and and he'll you know be better kind of moving forward, especially with jeez. Uh, what, what, what's, what's there left in the season? Like 10 days or something like that? I mean, we are we are in the short strokes, is John McLaughlin.
1: Yeah, uh, just five games left for the Bucks. three-game road trip now. Um, you mentioned Oklahoma City. Henson and Brogdon will not travel to Oklahoma City, um, or at least that's what Jason Kidd said today. So uh, I'd assume they'd probably catch up in Indiana, um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So we'll see if that's the case. Any... Very pressing thoughts you have on the Oklahoma City game. Obviously, it should—I mean, any preview of Oklahoma City is just all caps Russell Westbrook,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't—I don't even know if it's worth trying to speculate about how you shut down Russell Westbrook. I mean, I think the Bucks held him to a really bad shooting night um, when these teams played the first time, and the Bucks did edge out uh, the Thunder. Uh, was was that on New Year's Day? It was—it was right after New Year's, at least um this year and and uh it was a big win at the time and obviously if you were able to pull off another huge road win it would be um a really 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 big thing but um but i don't know it's it's a weird team i mean they obviously um on the one hand you like the fact that they don't necessarily have a lot of perimeter shooting that tends to be a positive thing for bucks opponents as we often kind of point out um but by the same token they are big and physical and can beat you up down low and um, you know we'll kind of see how that that shakes out. I mean the thunder have been uh, very good at home twenty seven and twelve uh, at home this season um you know they've lost two in a row, so uh they're again not playing maybe the best basketball in the world but um certainly westbrook is is making a strong case here in the in the late going here for for the m v p award and you know he he's shown that he can certainly win a game by himself um at a moment's notice and um this will be obviously the first time that we'll see them sort of this new look configuration with Taj Gibson uh, and Doug McDermott also a, a part of this this lineup uh, after that trade with the Bulls. So we joked about how I well, know the joke, but observed that perhaps trading Taj Gibson for Nikola Mirotic in the starting five uh, against a team like the Bucks actually wasn't a good thing because it stretched the Bucks out and they were vulnerable to Mirotic having a monster shooting night. Um, I don't know. I mean, Taj Gibson's a really good player um, but again, I mean, the fact that they really don't have much spacing at all uh, in that starting five uh, around Westbrook, um, you know, obviously for a team that that does like to help, uh, it uh, it n- maybe presents some opportunities. Maybe the Bucks can force some turnovers tonight uh, and and maybe get out on the break a little bit. But um, it'll certainly be interesting to see. And, and certainly, uh, it, again, as good as Westbrook has been, I, I don't. I think people overstate sort of how I don't know. I think maybe people overstate a little bit how lacking in talent Oklahoma City is. I mean um Matt, Matt Tynan who writes um was covered the Spurs for a long time used to be at uh, RSB Nation uh sister site uh pounding the rock um Matt lives in Houston and covers the Spurs and he was asked he, he did a poll and he said if you had to pick five guys from the Rockets and Thunder who would you pick other than Harden and Westbrook and it's kind of interesting because when you think about it that way I mean the Thunder the Thunder have some decent players. I mean, Steven Adams is probably the first guy I would pick out of both of those teams. Oh my gosh, I, I got Adams in a huge
1: of, argument uh, about this this weekend. Obviously, I like I said, I was hanging out with a bunch of basketball coaches, but the way that Steven Adams has progressed this season is just so depressing. That like I just remembered watching that playoff series last year and thinking, oh my God, Steven Adams is going to be a world destroyer and now he's in this offensive system where Westbrook has the ball all the time. And I don't, I don't know, like I, I just never get the the feeling that Westbrook like actively lifts up his teammates and, and makes them better. And man, I, I don't know if I, I can deal with Steven Adams being stuck with him for the next like three to five years, <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: Well, yeah, I mean I'm just looking at the stats. Um I thought Adams was was even more underwhelming than he's been this year. I mean he's putting up almost 12 points, almost eight boards which, you know, Westbrook just basically cherry-picked the, the big guys on OKC just let Westbrook cherry-pick all the rebounds. So his defensive rebounding is probably understated by at least a board or two per game just because I mean literally if you guys watch the way they defend on like free throws, the big guys just box out literally Westbrook is is allowed to to take the rebounds. It's it's like comical how much they they let him hunt out defensive rebounds in particular, and, and he leads the league in uncontested rebounds for that reason. But um, but yeah, Adams, I mean, he's up to almost 12 points, almost 8 boards. And actually, I mean, I was actually surprised. I'm just looking at his postseason numbers last year. I felt like he had some just monster games um, against the the Warriors in particular before that, that series went south. Um, overall, 10 points, 10 boards, 0.8 blocks in 31 minutes per game last year, 61% shooting. Um, so, I mean, he's it's kind of similar, right? Like you, you kind of look at him and what, you kind of wonder, man, he feels like he could do more, you know. Yeah. Um, and he's so big and strong. Um, I, I mean, hey, I would take Stephen Adams on the box. I, I would be willing to do that. And he's still only 23 years old, uh, and he's hilarious. So that's another another nice bonus. But um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think I think between him and I'm not a huge Victor Oladipo fan, but between him and Oladipo and you know, Cantor's obviously kind of become found a nice niche for himself. Um, I mean they they have they have some very competent NBA players. We've seen Ennis Cantor give the Bucks lots of problems. We mentioned Taj Gibson. He's he's pretty pretty good too. And obviously Doug McDermott is, you know, he's an NBA player. We'll see how he turns out. So, I don't so love I don't know.
1: all the depot or Cantor, but they're both like legitimate solid NBA players. Like they're they are yeah. They are solid as can be. And now you add Taj Gibson to the mix, like I totally agree. The the idea that the the Thunder are somehow devoid of talent in comparison to the Rockets is just mind-boggling to me.
0: Well, especially because I think the 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 Thunder. I mean, defensively, it makes sense that the Thunder could could be very good, right? Especially with Adams as as your your linchpin there. I mean, Cantor obviously that's a different story, but but Roberson, Jeremy Grant. I mean, you got a lot of like really athletic, long, switchable bodies. Uh, defensively Oladipo obviously another guy that you know you can do some things defensively so um, so obviously they don't have the firepower that a team like the Rockets has but um, but I I don't think it's a total coincidence here that you know they have 43 wins and uh, they are you know generally kind of in the hunt for let's see where are they in the the west they are sixth in the west they're uh, three games back of the Clippers so um, so on a crash course actually with the Rockets in the first round for the playoffs so Anyway, should we leave it at that? ESPN game tomorrow, so I'm glad I'm in a hotel right now, so I can watch it on ESPN and not have to watch it on League Pass. So, ooh, that'd hey. be nice. Yeah,
1: good yeah. So we'll see what the Bucks can do on national TV uh, tonight. See if they can. Let's see. When was the last time they were on? I'm trying to think. What was their last national TV game, and whether or not Giannis uh, showed up a little bit better in that one? They were because they were on NBA TV for. Hmm, I can't remember. Uh, but either way, ESPN, National oh, TV. Oh, the,
0: the Clippers game.
1: Oh, yeah, that was it. Duh. Um, so, yeah, they, they were okay that one. Uh, they got a big win in that one, so we'll see if they can do that again. Uh, a reminder, ESPN is doing second screen for that tomorrow night. So uh, I know Nate Duncan has done that uh, quite a bit throughout this season with just you can kind of get the experience of watching the game with him. But ESPN, I believe, is doing it with – Rachel Nichols, Amina Hassan, Brian Windhorst, uh, Ethan Strauss, and I don't know, maybe some of the other True Hoop folks. So if you are a fan of the True Hoop podcast, and if you're a fan of our podcast, I would assume many of you probably also dabble in the True Hoop podcast from time to time. Um, So if you're interested in all that, uh, just I think all, I think it's going to be on ESPN three Watch ESPN, um, whatever that's called now. Um, but you should just be able to put that up on your computer right next to it, so you can just put that up and then Frank's tw- Twitter feed and my Twitter feed, and then you should be good to go for the game. Uh, so that'll be against the Thunder tomorrow night, and we'll see if the Bucks can get their road trip started off uh, on the right foot. For Frank Men, I am Eric Name. This has been Locked On Bucks, and we will talk to you tomorrow.